Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Let's pay attention this morning in Luke chapter 10, verse 38. The Bible says, Now as they were traveling along, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet listening to his word. I want to speak to you this morning from a sermon titled, we need a proper approach to Jesus. Somebody say approach. Pray with me. God, thank you for this time together, Lord. We thank you for your word. God, I pray that you would anoint my mouth and my mind to say the things that you would have me to say. Father, I pray you'd speak to us by your spirit from your word, Lord. I pray you'd increase our faith. Show us something today, God, that would draw us closer to you. Lord, I pray for each person who's come in here today. God, from different backgrounds, different places, God, but we all have needs, and we look to you to meet our needs today. In Jesus' name, amen. We need a proper approach to Jesus, and we need a screen working on my left side so I can look this way. Okay, I, I don't know how much these bulbs cost, but I'm going to need somebody giving an extra $14,000 into offering today so we can get a screen on the left-hand side so I don't have to turn. I, it's hard for me to turn. I broke my neck. It doesn't always work in both directions, so it's good to have options. Amen? Amen. So we need to get that. We're going to get it fixed, right, Elder? On its way. As soon as somebody gives that extra 14 grand today in the offering, we should be good. That'd be funny. Now, you know, if that was real, how, how crazy would it be if we just held out? Just didn't light that screen up till somebody just dro- uh, I, I can tell you this. We would never have that screen on. $14 might get that screen on, but... 14,000 is a different story. All right, let's, let's think about God's word this morning. Our book of the month for September is the Gospel of Luke. Uh, Luke is a very unique person in the Bible, and I want you to read his uh, recording of the life of Jesus Christ over and over this month. Now, Luke sat down. When Luke wrote, uh, Luke's the only Gentile writer of any portion of the New Testament. Everyone else was Jewish, and Luke wrote the Gospel according to St. Luke, and what else? The book of Acts. Now, if you are one of those people who still doesn't believe that the Apostle Paul was used by God to write the book of Hebrews, I don't know why, but if you, if you believe that, then Luke wrote more of the New Testament than any other writer. Now, if you attribute the book of Hebrews to Paul, then Paul wrote more. What am I saying? God used Luke in a big way. If you're a Christian, if you believe in God, there's a desire in your heart for God to use you. And I promise, if you make yourself available to God, God will do great things in your life. God used this Gentile in a phenomenal way. And I want you to read the book of Luke this month as we make that our book of the month. Now, when we talk about the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we call them the what? The Gospels. Uh, gospel means good news. It's the story of Jesus Christ and how he lived a perfect life, died on the cross at Calvary for us and rose from the dead on the third day according to the scriptures so that our sins could be paid for and we could have eternal life. But each one of these four writers, and we've looked at this before, each has a distinct way that they showed Christ to their audience that they wrote to. Now, here's, here's the cool thing. If you were to ask Nancy what she noticed this morning about praise and worship, she could tell you what she noticed about praise and worship. But then if you came over to Angelique and you said, what did you notice about praise and worship? She might say some things she saw. She might say some things she saw. It wouldn't be that they differed with each other. They just had a different viewing point. They had a different paradigm. If we worked all the way back to Daniel, he could tell what he saw, and it would be uh, different approaches. God tells the story God is the one who does the writing but in these gospels he allows for personality to come forth and different approaches so that everyone could be impacted I've talked to you about these different approaches distinct ways Christ are portrayed the distinct writing style emphasis theme 
and the audience. So let's review it real quick again for the Gospels because you need to stay in the Gospels of Christ. You need to constantly be reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John because this tells the story about Jesus. Now, Matthew portrays Christ as the promised king. Mark portrays Christ as the servant of God. Luke portrays Christ as the perfect man. And John portrays Christ as the son of God. If you read their Gospels, you will find these distinctions stand out very clearly because Matthew writes like a teacher. Matthew is, uh, uses a lot of quotes, uses a lot of information. Mark writes like a preacher because he's an action guy. Luke writes like a historian. John writes like a theologian. Matthew's emphasis was on Jesus' sermons. He talks more about the sermons of Christ in his gospel. Mark's emphasis was on Jesus' miracles because I told you he's an action guy. Luke's emphasis was on Jesus' parables. He's a detail guy. John's emphasis was on Jesus' doctrines because he's a theologian. Matthew wrote to the Jews primarily. Uh, there are more quotes in Matthew from the Old Testament than all the other three gospels combined. Mark wrote to the Romans. Luke wrote to the Greeks. John wrote to the entire world. Matthew, they all had a theme. Matthew's theme is Jesus is the Messiah, predicted by Old Testament prophecy. He had to have that for his theme because he was writing to the Jews. Mark's theme is Jesus backed up his words with action. Mark had to talk about action because that's what his focus was. Luke's theme is the compassion and humanity of Jesus. You would expect a man whose secular trade was being a doctor to have some level of compassion and humanity. And John's theme is the deity of Jesus. So let's get past all that and let me recap for you. Luke portrays Christ as the perfect man. Luke writes like a historian. Luke's emphasis was on Jesus' parables. Luke wrote to the Gentiles in general and Greeks in particular. And Luke's theme is the compassion and humanity of Jesus. Luke's a detailed guy. Say detailed. Some of y'all are detail-oriented people. Some of y'all gloss over the details like they don't matter. We are all wired up different. We all have different personalities. We all have different ways we look at things and different ways we express things. But God created us all for a purpose. See, I was in a church when I was young in Christ, and everybody was made to be the same body. Every, they, they tried to make everyone Dress like the pastor, talk like the pastor, act like the pastor. Everyone who wore glasses could only wear big, giant, black frame glasses. It was always men in suits, women in dresses. Uh, it, it was crazy like that. They were so determined that everyone would be little cookie-cutter images of each other that our pastor, who uh, I love, great man, but whew, he could be rough. You say, well, you can too. It's all good, but here's what he would do to visitors. Check this out. Now, this is how hardcore this church was. He would make visitors uh, hold up their hands, stand up if they were visiting, and everybody clap for them. That's awkward and uncomfortable. That's why we don't do that. But here's what he would say at the end of a message if a visitor came and fit this profile. He would say, and, 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 and to, to the young lady over here, we, we appreciate you visiting with us. We hope you come back, and next time wear a dress. You think she came back? He didn't care. She wasn't coming back. Uh, but different churches have different approaches. And I like the fact there's lots of different churches. I, I like the fact that the, there's lots of different flavor of churches inside our city and around the world because different flavors reach different people. And everybody is not going to uh, be comfortable at Abundant Life. That's obvious. Everybody's not going to be comfortable at the church you left. And that's obvious as well. But Luke is unique. He, he doctor by trade, detail guy. Uh, let, let's say, I'll tell you some more things about him before we get into our text. He's this physician turned evangelist. He was Paul's helper slash physician. And in his writing, he gave special attention to medical matters and to the events surrounding the birth of Christ. That makes sense for a doctor. He also, uh, only Luke records the annunciation to Zacharias and to Mary. Uh, on, uh, he's the only one that records the songs of Elizabeth and Mary, the birth and childhood of John the Baptist, the visit of the shepherds at Christ's birth, the Lord's circumcision, his presentation at the temple with Simeon, the details of his childhood, the inner thoughts of Mary. And he has a special emphasis on these things, prayer, women, poverty, and wealth. 
These are things that stood out to him because of his compassion, because of his desire to help hurting people, um, marginalized people, disenfranchised people. Luke is your guy. If you are a so social justice warrior, I'll tell you a couple things real quick. Number one, Luke should be your favorite gospel writer. And number two, you should concentrate on Jesus more than you concentrate on society. That's, 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 that's meant to help some of you uh, SJWs out there, uh, always complaining about society. I believe if people studied the Word of God, they wouldn't have time for all that complaining. Amen? That's a different message for a different crowd. But let's get into our text this morning and see what God would have us to learn from St. Luke's Gospel. Back in chapter 10, verse 38, our opening verse, the Scripture says, Now as they were traveling along, he, capital H, who, who is this he talking about? Jesus. Wouldn't it have been so much easier if they had just said Jesus? we got to figure these things out as we read, though, because when you read, you want to understand what you read. Just reading the Bible and not getting anything out of it is not going to help you as much as if you get something out of it. So as they were traveling along, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Let's pause on that. Pay attention to the punctuation when you're reading. It'll help your comprehension. So as they were traveling along, is this one person or more than one person? Jesus traveling with a crowd. He goes into this village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Whose home was it? It was Martha's home. Now, that's highly unusual in first century Middle East. It's highly unusual that this woman would own her own home. Some people say that she was widowed and that it was her husband's home that now became her home. She's living there with her brother and her sister, Lazarus, who Jesus rose from the dead, and Mar uh, Mary. But Martha is the oldest. Say old. Nothing wrong with being the oldest. Somebody's got to be the oldest. Somebody's got to be the youngest. In this passage, Martha is the oldest. She has a home and she welcomes Jesus into her home. We could stop on this one verse alone. I promise you we won't. But we could stop and ask, is Jesus welcome in your home? Mm. See, because we're going to look at this passage and we're going to see some things that Martha did wrong. But obviously there are things she did right. And that's true with most of us. Some of, most of us do some things wrong. Hopefully we do some things right. But is Jesus welcome in your home? The Bible talks about establishing the kingdom of God. The Bible uses the phraseology kingdom of God a lot. And when I taught a series on the kingdom of God, I taught you that the kingdom is any place where a king is ruling and reigning. Thereby, your home can be the kingdom of God. If Jesus is ruling and reigning in your home, your car can be the kingdom of God. If Jesus is ruling and reigning in your car... Now, we got to realize, if you, and please, that we, we are not here to judge you or condemn anybody. You do not have to turn off two chains and throw on Hillsong when you come in the parking lot. It's just wild. That's how your car sounds. Your bass is horrible. It's rattling. Uh, but you come in. To Jesus. We know you switched the channel. Okay? It, listen, you get to decide who you want to rule and reign in your car. And a lot of that can be easily told by what's banging on the stereo. Are you following me? Uh, she let Jesus, she welcomed Jesus into her home. I, I wonder how welcome the Lord is in your home. But let's keep moving into verse 39. She, who is she? Martha had a sister named what? Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, you do not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone. Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her so in this story and the bible says we have these stories for our examples so that we can learn from them and grow closer to god in this story we 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 see mary and martha and as i talk about these two women today i want everybody in the room to see which one of these women represent the kind of life that you're living 
Now, men, you are not exempt. I didn't say which one of these women represents your masculinity or your femininity. I said which one of these women represents the type of life, the type of approach that you have to Jesus. Because every saved person in this room either approaches the Lord like Mary or like Martha. So before we leave here today, you're going to identify yourself in one of two groups. There will be a test. Look at somebody and say test. There will be a test before you leave here, and you need to know, are you in the Mary group or are you in the Martha group? And God already knows the truth, but he wants us to learn the truth about ourselves. So we see that Martha welcomes Jesus into her home. She's got their sister Mary and her brother Lazarus there. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. We know that story. We, I told you that Martha owns the house probably either through uh, being a widow or just the fact that she was older. Um, but listen, here's the deal. If you were in a family back in this day and age, Hebrew family, you, the three siblings, oldest was who? Martha. Then you got a brother and another sister, Lazarus and Mary. Who would the parents leave the home to? The oldest son. Now, see this? All you women worried about equality? Stop complaining about America. You go on your own. Your, your parents could leave a home to you. They wouldn't do that in this custom. Uh, I, I like to tell everybody who doesn't think America's free enough to go to Pakistan for a year. Go live in the Sudan. Go, go live in Iran. They, home, home, they hang homosexuals there and they make the women walk behind the men. Are you saying that's what type of life you want, Pastor? No, I don't believe that's the type of life I want. I thank God that we live in a country that provides opportunity for everybody that's willing to take it. But in this day and age, the parents could not have left this home to the, to the daughter. Even though she was the oldest, their custom was to leave it to the son. So I believe that she probably was widowed. Uh, some, some of us have, have gone through that. I lost my wife to cancer. There are other people in our church who, who have been widowed, widowers, um, and that creates a special type of hardship on people. And sometimes hardship will mold you into something that you never intended to be. We don't know why uh, she turned out this way. We, we don't know why Martha turned out the way that she did, but we do understand she probably had lost a spouse and was living in the house, brought her sister and her brother in to live with her. She's older. She represents someone who has it together. Say together. Just because you're older doesn't mean you have it together, but you should. The, the, old, the older child should be more together than the younger child until they both get grown, and then, you know, it's just a toss-up as to who decides to do the best with life. But she represents someone who has it together, she had money. She had a strong work ethic. She was proficient. She was a doer. She was somebody who had stuff and took care of her stuff. She was somebody who was capable and competent. Now we, we move off her, and in verse 39, the scripture says she had a sister called Mary. Who had a sister called Mary? So what are these two girls' names? Here we go. And Mary was seated at the Lord's feet listening to his word. Now, I'm not going to take time to preach every one of these verses this morning, but this is very unusual behavior for that day and age. It was not their culture for women to sit in a room with men while food was being cooked. Some of y'all are like, ain't the custom in my house either, Rev. Come over for football, they'd be in the kitchen. Making us something to eat. The, and now, now all the real feminists, they're, they're all like, don't let your hatred show in church. Amen. God's watching. Uh huh. But this is very unusual. I want you to know that if you fall in love with Jesus, you're going to find yourself doing some unusual things. You're going to find yourself operating outside of your culture. You're going to find yourself doing things that other people like you might not be comfortable doing. I, I see it every week at abundant life I, I see white people coming into a church filled up with black people uh. now y'all know that ain't comfortable for everybody uh I, and I, hey i see it on the other side I, I see black people coming into church sitting next to white people and that ain't comfortable for everybody either and listen you got to give special credit to the hispanics because they, they, they they're the minority at abundant life 
And, and they come in and just deal with all of us. But that's not the world we live in. That's, that's not the norm in the world we live in. The majority of churches are very cookie cutter in their membership. They, they all fit into one socioeconomic class. They all fit into one racial class. They all fit into one denominational class. But the Bible says that in heaven, heaven will be populated with every tribe, every nation, every type of people, and every tongue of people. And so I believe we look like heaven looks because we are not uh, that typical church where all white people go to church, white people, black people go to church with black people, rich go to rich, poor go to poor, uh, and, you know, every, everybody has it's crazy if you study church and you know you won't because it's not your business like it is mine but if you study church you'll find out that the more money is represented in the church the shorter the message now does that mean that rich people need to hear less about god than poor people no but it's harder for rich people to sit for a long period of time and listen to something that ain't talking about them and their money and that's why the Bible says it's harder for a rich person to enter into heaven than for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Because here's the thing, especially about America. America, people who have been disenfranchised, people who have been oppressed, people who have been cast out, people who have been hurt, people who have been through struggle, people who have been let down by people, nation, governments, uh, people that they thought were there to protect them, people who have dealt with some type of hardship in their life, they came to a realization at some point that all I have is Jesus and all I need is Jesus. So preach, preacher, preach. We'll stay here until we're ready to go. That's just a quick lesson on church history. But we've got Mary doing this unusual thing while Martha is busy. Mary is sitting in a room full of men listening to what Jesus had to say. Uh, so Mary, as, as we see in our text, she doesn't have the things uh, materially that Martha has. She's not as old as Martha. She's not as together. She didn't have all that stuff, but she was in love with Jesus. Now, there's an old song that says, I'd rather have Jesus than anything. I wonder how true that would be of you. I wonder if we just broke down your top five list of things that you really want more than anything else, would Jesus be in that mix anywhere? Or would it be about money? Would it be about family? Would it be about fame? Would it be about career? Mary is just sold out for Jesus, sitting at his feet, against cultural times that we see in verse 40 the bible says but martha now she, now we're we're contrasting mary to martha but martha was distracted with all her preparations and she came up to him she came up to him big capital h she came up to who she came up to jesus and said lord do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone, then tell her to help me. Now, here's where things get crazy. Here's where you want to really pay attention to the details because Luke is the writer that gives lots of details. If you ask someone a question, should you wait for their answer or start bossing them around? She, she asked him a question, don't, don't you even care that she got me in here doing all this work in this kitchen by myself, then tell she didn't even wait. She launches right into complaining and bossing, complaining and bossing. Let me tell you something. Complaining and bossing is not where you want to be. We'll see that in a little bit. But complaining and bossing is where some people are because some people are like Martha and some people are like Mary. Martha was mad, and I believe for good reason. I believe she had a reason to be mad. Culturally, she definitely had a reason to be mad. Historically, she had a reason to be mad. The times that they lived in dictated that she was getting the short end of the stick, that she was not getting the help that was required societally by her sister because Mary was not helping her. So let's just pretend you, this is a courtroom. You're the jury. I'm the prosecutor. I, I'm representing Martha this morning, and... I tell you that Mary, uh, Martha owns the house. She letting her raggedy sister live there for free. <laughs> putting a roof over this girl's head. Taking care of all these siblings and whoever they got tagging on with them. Guests come over. Guests need refreshing. 
Your, your hospitality was huge in this day and time. Women didn't sit in room with men. They didn't even meet at the same table with men. Martha, the older, more competent, together one, is in there working hard in the kitchen. Little fly-by-night sister over there sitting in the living room staring up at Jesus. Now, how many people believe that younger sister ought to get in there and help her older sister? I'm here to convict this woman today. How many people believe Martha just ought to do all the work by herself while the younger sister sits there doing nothing? We can't do that. So we, we, we got to understand, Martha has a case. Say case. Martha has a point. Martha is telling the truth. And if she came to a courtroom and I was in the jury, Mary is, is getting 60 days hard labor. <laughs> Time served, we'll give her 58 because she's been holding for two. Martha's doing a good thing because she is doing what's required. She's, she's doing what is expected. She's doing what cultural society norms tell us that she has to do. She brings guests into her home, and she helps to prepare for them. Could you imagine ha having your whole family over, and everybody comes in, all the, all the men, all the women, especially if they're your sisters, and they bring nothing and they help do nothing. They're just all sitting in there, uh, standing around, not, not doing. Some, some of y'all like, oh, that, that, wouldn't, that wouldn't work for me. Listen, I'll tell you, culturally, that's not, that's not likely. To, is that likely to happen in a Haitian home, Angelique? All the women just sitting around doing nothing, hanging out with the men while, while they're in there? No, that's not likely to happen in a Hispanic home. That's not likely to happen in a black home. Now, in a white home with rich people, uh, that, them, them women be out there playing cornhole with the dudes in the backyard. <laughs> Ain't I right? Yeah, that's just it. They make that half-hearted attempt. You need any help? No, oh, good. Hallelujah. <laughs> Martha's on the up. Martha's doing the right thing. Martha is busy serving, and serving is a good thing. Say good thing. It's a good thing. We're commanded to serve. We're commanded to be hospitable. She was doing what she was supposed to be doing. It wasn't her serving that messed her up. It was her attitude. See, sometimes you can do the right thing with the wrong attitude, and the Bible says that man looks on the outside, but God looks on the inside. Man looks on the outside and, and sees what's going on, but God can tell your attitude while you're doing it. We talked about that a little bit uh, for the judgment seat of Christ for believers and the judgment that we'll go through for how we did what we did. I want to give you three things that Martha did wrong. Number one, she accused the Lord. Now, you ought to know right up front. That, that's, that's not good. Is that good? Do like this. That, that, that is not good. She understood who Jesus was. She knew who Jesus was. He was a guest in her home. She shouldn't have been bringing accusation against the man in that culture, especially a guest in her home, and even more so the one that she called her Lord. But she told Jesus, you don't care. She just flat out accused him. Uh, now, now what? Because people, people rightly are like, mm, that groaning and, 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 and sour facing right now because you know she's doing something wrong. But don't answer out loud. Think about it in your mind. Have you ever felt like God didn't care? Have you ever felt like you were doing more uh, than, than everybody else and God wasn't noticing you? Have you ever felt like you, you're getting the short end of the stick? That's the craziest part about the counseling I do in life. People literally come to my office for counseling and act like God has shortchanged them. Act like, Pastor, I'm doing all this, 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 that, and the third, and when's my ship going to come in? Oh, so you've done so much for God, and he hasn't done enough for you? We need to remember, God did enough for us on Calvary. If he never does another thing for us, we ought to be happy with what he's already done. He provided a way for us to get to heaven. So she, she's telling him that he don't care. Lots of people get to the place in life, especially if you come to church a lot. If you come to church a lot and you get busy, if you get active serving in church, the devil is not likely to get you out of wanting to come to church, wanting to serve, but he can mess your attitude up while you serve. I've had people come to me and say, Pastor, I, honestly, I'm just tired of being the only one to keep the nursery. And I have the same response every time. Well, quit. If it's on you that bad, if you're not loving what you do, if you feel bitter and negative and critical about it, we'll need you doing that, messing around, putting that spirit on our children. Pastor Scott, I'm tired of being the only one that shows up on time for practice. Well, 
Pray for, pray for them late coming folk and stop being angry about what you're doing right. You ought to be glad about what you're doing right. If you're the only one serving every week in the nursery, you, you, you ought to thank God for giving you the strength to be able to do it and the opportunity to have a ministry that you can participate in. If you're the only one coming to, on time to something, you ought to thank God that you ain't some raggedy latecomer like the rest of them. Y'all know how I'm about punctuation. Everybody can't be 6'2", 220 pounds of twisted steel and sex appeal. Somebody got to be 5'9 and cute. Everybody can't have 160 IQ. Everybody can't have millions of dollars in the bank. But everybody can be on time. Some of y'all thinking, oh, not my wife. Not, not, not my children. Everybody can be on time. But instead of complaining about other people who are late, you ought to be thankful that God has allowed you to honor your commitment and show up on time. See, there's, there's a right way and a wrong way to do everything. She's telling the Lord he doesn't care when in reality he cares more than anyone she'll ever meet. And you need to understand that about God. You need to understand before you start condemning and convicting and talking bad about God, acting in your mind like he doesn't care about you, you need to consider what he did in sending his son to this earth to be ridiculed, mocked, spit on, beaten, stripped naked, hung on a cross between heaven and earth to pay for our sins. She's accusing the wrong person but when we put our eyes on circumstances sometimes it's easy to think that he doesn't care you might be having trouble at home you might be having trouble at school you might have been going through hell by the acre for a long long time and the bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick all right that's king james wording what, what it means is when you've been hoping for something for a long time and it hasn't happened that's hope deferred it makes the heart sick not sick physically, sick emotionally. So when you've been believing for something for a long time and it hasn't happened yet, depression can come in, bitterness can come in, sadness can overtake you. But that is not the way the believer should respond to deferred hope, deferred blessing, or deferred answered prayer if you haven't got what you've been praying for if you haven't seen what you've been believing for if you're not walking in the manifestation of what you feel like is promised to you you don't need to have a, it hasn't happened mentality you need to have a it hasn't happened yet mentality you need to believe that your children are not saved yet because the bible says if you believe in the lord and be baptized that you'll be saved and your whole house will be saved you 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 got to believe if you haven't got your healing uh, that already that it's because you didn't get your healing yet because he's still the god that healeth thee you need to believe that everything that god has promised is answered by yes and amen because that's what the scripture says but she was in her feelings this culture is just contaminated with folk who are in their feelings. Just living in their feelings all the time. Just kind of, You can't even sneeze around some people that get in their feelings. You didn't say God bless you. Oh, I didn't know why I was under a contract to say God bless you every time you sneeze with all them allergies. Let me tell you, real quick side note, not in my notes, but it's funny to me. Do you know... Why people say God bless you when folks sneeze? Because the Catholic Church taught us all the way up until the 1600s that when someone sneezed, that was evil spirits flushing out of their body, and you had to say God bless you real quick for something else bad jumped on them. <laughs> That's why we say God bless you when people sneeze. Listen, sometimes it's just allergies. Just this, you know, uh, a hair leaning the wrong way in your nose. Uh, some smell that hits you. Uh, and, and listen, folks sneeze. Say God bless you if you want to. But why are you so bold to say God bless you? I've seen people say God bless you, total stranger. Look over the top of their car, around a gas pump, and somebody on the other side of a gas pump, they sneeze. God bless you. But wouldn't have the boldness in Christ standing next to them in the line paying for gas to say, God bless you, sir. 
See, because one is ridiculous and, and customary and just foolish and just words speak. And the other one will make you look like you really want them saved, born again Christians who believe God can actually bless people. Now, let me get back to the scripture. That's the right message for the wrong crowd. People going through, going through, going through, struggling, struggling, struggling can get discouraged. And when they get discouraged, they can behave improperly. They, they can behave in ways that they don't want to behave. I never knew until six years ago when I dropped that lawnmower on my back that chronic pain can cause you to be a person that you're not trying to be. Chronic pain, when you are hurting all the time in your body, you can be less uh, jovial than you would desire to be. You can have a shorter fuse and be more irritated than you are. This has been a tough uh, last 30 days for me with my back, keep praying for me. Uh, and if, if you see me walking quickly past you, don't be one of these, he ain't say hi to me. Did you come to church for me to say hi to you? All right, watch this. Hi. <laughs> that's, that's, that's for the next decade. Okay? She walked past me and rolled her eyes. She might have had something in her eye. People get in their feelings too much, and that's why the Bible says that when we put on the whole armor of God that we got to wrap our feelings up in the belt of truth. we got to get all of our inner emotions gathered up inside the Word of God. So what do you do when you're going through, when hard times are happening? You believe the Scripture. Listen to what the Bible says in Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good, to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Now, I love how specific the Bible is. You need to take the Bible as a specific book, and it says, and we. When the Bible says we, who's it usually talking to? Christians. When the author includes himself, it's usually talking to Christians. So as Christians, we know. It's not something we hope for. It's not something we're believing down the road. We know. We should operate from a point of knowledge that all things work together for good to them that love God, comma. That's cause for pause. You need to think about what was just said. We know. What do we know? That all things, how many things? All things work together for good to them that love God. Here's the qualifier. You got to be a we that loves God. If you are a we that loves God, if you call yourself a Christian and you say you love God, then you ought to understand that all things, how many things? All things work together for good. So how do you find yourself complaining? If you get fired, the Bible says in everything, give thanks. If you get fired, you should what? If your spouse is acting crazy, you should what? If your children are just one nerve shot away from being homeless, you should what? Why? Because you know, we, we are, as Christians are supposed to know that there's a God in heaven who's got this thing planned out. Who's in control, who knows what he's doing, who, who sees the beginning and the end at the same time. He, he knows all things. And he, the scripture says that everything is working for good to them that love God. Now, I've told you many times that as a pastor and a ardent student of the Bible, there's lots of times I'll read stuff and make me go, hmm. I know the word is true, but sometimes it don't seem true to me. Sometimes it doesn't seem like it fits. And there have been many times in my life where I'm like, okay, the Bible says everything works together for good to them that love God. How, how does the death of a 36-year-old wife leaving me with a 2-year-old and a 4-year-old, how, how does that work out for good? See, it's not my determination of what good is. It's God's determination of what good is. How does your child failing the fifth grade for the third time work out for good? Well, maybe they'll do better in the sixth grade. I don't know. You've got to stop looking at what is and start believing in who is. And God says that everything works together for good to them that love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. If you can believe this simple truth in Scripture, you ought to be able to eliminate a whole lot of complaining out of your mouth. You ought to share this with people in your home. When they start to complain, God's got a purpose. God's got a reason. There, there, there's something good that's going to come out of it. Now, you might be saying, no, nah, nothing good came out of that for me. Well, it's going to come out good for God and who you're more concerned with. 
Now that's where the rubber meets the road because most people are more concerned for their own comfort than they are for God's glory. So we got to understand that when you get bitter, when, when, you, when you're serving hard and you get bitter, you are accusing God and you don't need to be in that place because he's working it out. Say God's working it out. Second mistake she made was she got distracted. In, in verse 41 of our text, the scripture says, But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, comma. That's cause for pause. Think about it. I've told you many times that when someone calls someone in the Bible by their name twice, that's, especially if it's God doing it, that's a double enunciation of deity. When the name is said back to back, that indicates intimacy, that indicates closeness, that indicates there's a relationship there. It's not very different than you calling uh, your significant other honey pie or sugar bunch, baby cakes or whatever. I, I almost said three things, and I'm glad I didn't, uh, but it would have it it made the point. Jesus calls her not just Martha, but he says, Martha, Martha. He's realizing, look, we're close, and I'm about to speak something into your life that you need to get this. You are worried and bothered by so many things. Worried and bothered about so many things. This describes at least 98% of people in this room. At least. Worried about a lot of things, bothered by a lot of things. See, if I, if I ask, because... Wednesday night's homework assignment for people attending Abundant Life University was you got to write down a bunch of things you're thankful for. Now, it would come to most people's mind, what's bothering you right now? Oh, don't ask an honest person that. So you can ask church people that all the time. You walk up to somebody at church and say, oh, brother so-and-so, so-and-so, good to see you. How you doing? They go in their church speech. Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored, pastor. Life is so good. God has been too good to me. Now, that's just lying folk going to church. Now, if you really want somebody to tell you the truth, go where? Old folks home. Go ask some 95-year-old woman been, been living in a senior assisted living facility for the last 30 years. Hey, baby, how you doing? Guess what baby about to tell you? Everything. All that. She's about to tell you everything. Well, baby, you know, you know, my mind ain't what it used to be. Uh, uh, and, and, and then they work all the way down to, to their sciatica, their gout. Baby, I, I'm doing good, but look at my toe. Big toe this big, throbbing like a cartoon commercial, just pulsating at you. Can you get that cleaned out for me, baby? I don't, we've been talking too long, Granny. Uh, nurse! People get distracted. They get worried and bothered about so many things. Most people could tell you what they're upset about faster than they could tell you what they're thankful for. And if you spend time talking about, if you spend more time talking about what upsets you than you do what you're thankful for, you are a bitter person. You don't have to admit it. You don't have to accept it. You don't have to own it. It just is what the IS is. You have become bitter through life hardships are going to make you one or the other bitter or better you go through tough times you can get better as a result of them or you can get bitter she got distracted because she was worried and bothered about so many things why because she focused on the wrong thing focused on the wrong thing what do you focus on in your life if you focus on stuff that you're upset about to the expense of giving God thanks for the things you're thankful about then you're going to get distracted in your walk with God too. So what do we got to do? Well, we got to do what my man said. What did my man say? What was his name? Bobby McFerrin? What did he say? Don't worry. What? Yeah, that's what you got to do. Don't worry. Be happy because here's the reality. If you know that you're saved and heaven is your home for sure, then you know you win. You ought to be able to laugh your way through life. And people be like, why are you so happy? You just got fired. You're about to be homeless. They repoed your car. They shut your lights off. Everything going downhill for you. I'm, I'm happy in Jesus. 
I'm happy that I'm going to heaven. I'm, I'm happy that I can say like the song says, I got a home in glory land that outside shines the sun. I can say like the song says, soon and very soon we're going to see the king. I can say like the song says, when the saints go marching in, I'm going to be in that number. And so I don't have to worry about all these temporary things if I have an eternal perspective. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 6, in the New Living. And he will give you all you need from day to day if you live for him and make the kingdom of God your primary concern. Now, here's the deal. People misquote scripture, misappropriate scripture because they come outside of context. Everybody cannot truly say that God will meet all my need. That was a very specific promise to people who had been over and above supporting ministry. Now, if you are over and above supporting financial ministry the way the Philippians were, then you can just walk in calm assurance. God's going to meet all my needs because I give. And God said, if I give, he'll give back to me. You got people saying that, that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That, that, that's not real for 99% of people coming to church, even safe folk. Because if you're operating in your flesh, Christ ain't doing nothing for you but staying away from you. Check one, two. Y'all hear me? He said, he will give you all you need from day to day if, say if. If is a qualifier. If means some people get it and some people don't. If means if you meet the criteria, you can have the promise. This is a conditional promise that he gives you everything you need from day to day. And here's the condition. you got to live for him and make the kingdom of God your primary concern. So stop walking around saying, saying that he, he's going to give me everything I need if you're giving him nothing. The better case would be get, you, get your life right so that he will meet all of your needs. The next verse, Matthew 6, 34 says, so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. I love short sentences in the Bible and bullet points. That last sentence says, today's trouble is enough for today. If you think about it at all, you ought to be willing to admit yeah, today you're probably going to have enough challenges uh, for today. I don't even have to worry about tomorrow. I just need to do my best today. Don't worry about tomorrow. That doesn't say don't prepare for tomorrow. But don't be so caught up in your feelings that you find yourself distracted away from God. You find yourself distracted from your service and your worship to God. You find yourself worrying more than you find yourself showing God your love. Third thing she did wrong, she accused and condemned her sister. She accused and condemned her sister. Now, was her sister doing something that was viewed as wrong? Go like this. Her sister was doing something that would be viewed by anyone in that day and age as wrong. She should have been sitting in there culturally with those men, listening to the teaching. She should have been in there preparing the food and the refreshments and showing hospitality. That's what culture dictates. But when we take our eyes off God, listen to what happens. We become critical of each other. You want to know how you, to, you want to know how to determine if you're distracted? Are you talking about what someone else is doing wrong? Now, you, you, some of y'all old enough, y'all remember the, the corny expressions that our grandparents used to tell us. If if you you pointing at somebody else, you got what? Three fingers pointing back. Some people say four, that's a thumb, and it's pointing with the finger. So I don't know how they got to that, but that shows you how bad expressions are. But when you start pointing fingers at other people, you take your eyes off what's important. This is a trick, a trap of the devil to cause you to get so caught up in what other people are doing wrong so that you won't concentrate on what you're doing wrong. And, uh, I, man, I, I, wish, I wish Dean was here. Uh, in this room right now, I think the guy's name, who, who wrote the book, uh, The Spirit of Offense? John Bevere. John Bevere wrote a book, got rich, called The Spirit of Offense. The reason he got rich is because so many people bought it. And the reason so many people bought it is because they were offended by somebody. Or they wanted to learn how to stop offending people. Here's what The Spirit of Offense is. You come to church, mind right. Loving God, doing okay in your Christianity, then somebody does something to upset you. He shouldn't tell that joke about race. That was just uncalled for. I'll never go back there. Well, take your offense and leave. We don't need offended people. We, we need people who are more concerned. 
concerned with their own relationship with God than they are pointing fingers at somebody else. That's why I tell you all all the time. I, I got all kinds of issues. I'm all kinds of imperfect. I'm in my process just like you are. Don't let me let you down. These people, pat, their pastor gets caught doing something crazy, and then the whole church falls apart. The, the church folk ought not be affected by what wrong the pastor does. Well, I was hurt in church. Uh, I got church hurt. No, you got people hurt. The church is spotless, without blemish or wrinkle, the Bible says. The church is perfect, the bride of Christ. People get upset and offended, and I started doing this years ago, and this is a surefire way I never have to counsel anybody else. People who come to my office for counsel, I'm offended. Well, okay, what are you offended about? Because one of the deacons, uh, one of the elders, one of, one of the regular church people, one of the people singing on a prayer, they, they did such and such, they did so and so. I saw them doing this and this, and I just all, I started asking this one question. And it helped them leave the church uh, every time I said it. But, you know, less counseling for me, hallelujah. And I told them, well, when's the last time you got offended at yourself? You offended at all these church folk? You offended at something I did to you? You offended at something some deacon did to you? You offended at something some good-hearted Christian person who made a mistake did to you? When do you get offended at you? There's people sitting around, mm, I don't believe in church. I ain't nothing but a bunch of hypocrites. And preacher just in there for the money. I, I, I went to church one time, and, and, and the whole thing offended me. Well, are you offended at your lack of holiness? Are you offended at your lack of Bible study? Are you offended at your lack of ever winning anybody to Christ? Are you offended at your lack of giving? You don't live right, give right, serve right, do right, act right, be right, but you're offended at everybody else. When do you get offended at you? You don't because the offense Looking at other people, the accusation against other people is simply a distraction to keep you from realizing how jacked up you are. Man, I'm, on, I, I, I'm, listen, get your theology from the Bible, but sometimes, you know, Bobby McFerrin makes sense. Sometimes Michael makes sense. Uh, you got to start with the man in the, that's who you got to start with. You got to start with you. Everybody wants everybody else to get it together. Well, I, I, you know, my brother-in-law is just making my life hell. Really? Well, how can your brother-in-law hold so much control over you if he's not your God? Well, my boss is just wearing me out. Why is your boss wearing you out if Jesus is your king? Well, I just, I just don't know how I'm going to survive another three years of Donald Trump. Uh, I already told you all, don't matter who's in the White House if you know who's on the throne. We have a king, no matter who the president is. And, you know, you, you're going to like this one or you're not going to like them. You, then, then in a few years, you're going to get one you like or you don't like. And listen, through it all, God remains faithful. Stop being distracted. How do you know you're distracted? Folk offend you. An, in, an imperfect human being's behavior offended you? How silly is that? That's like getting mad because the baby knocked over the toy box. That's just going to happen. That's just to be expected. That, that's like losing your mind because your two-year-old dropped their spork. I mean, that's just going to happen. Do they have spork? Spoon for a baby. Uh, it's just, that's just, spilled milk happens. Stop getting distracted and, and offended. Stop focusing on the wrong thing. Stop worrying about everything. And stop accusing other people. See, once you start getting critical of other people, they did this, they did that, they did this, they did that. That's just a trick of the enemy to get you to stop concentrating on all your own wrongs. So what we need to do is learn to listen to God. Jesus said in John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Listen to what Jesus is saying. Follow him. Drown out your own voice of criticism of other people. The Bible says that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. We got too many people in church talking bad about other people in church. We got too many people calling themselves Christians talking bad about other Christians. We got too many people not walking in a we mentality, but walking in a me mentality. And that's part of what's going on in a really bad way. I saw some people on social media this week who were trying to promote the all you need is love, Jesus is love, God is love, just love everybody. And in their next post, they were hacking down every Christian they could think of. If that's what's wrong with all y'all, y'all y'all don't love anybody. I want it so bad to put, well, that's very loving of you to criticize everybody you're, you, you're talking to on your thread. 
But this is just the nature of people who want to put the blame on somebody else to take the pressure off themselves. We all have issues. Can five people say amen? We all have issues. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is no perfect person other than Jesus Christ. Stop being upset when somebody else does something wrong. Pray for them. Stop blaming some. Well, at least I'm not as bad as so-and-so. So-and-so is not who we're trying to please. So-and-so is not our standard of holiness. Jesus is. And if you feel like Jesus ever did something wrong to you, you need better theology, more medication, and, and a nap. <laughs> let me keep going. Let, let, I, I, want, I, I want to share with you what it really takes to please God this morning, to, to know him in, in a deeper way, to really be close to God and to serve him. Here, here, here's what it takes, a listening heart. Say listen. See, discipleship begins with listening and learning, not action. And this is where young Christians make the mistake. This is where people new to a church make a mistake. This is where people who get fired up and fall apart, fired up and fall apart, fired up and fall apart make their mistakes. They want to jump right into action when they don't have a firm foundation of listening and learning. You got to listen. You got to learn. You, you got to walk before you can run. You got to crawl before you can walk. Don't try to impress people with how much you're doing if you're not really being close to God in your private place. Too many people trying to serve God outwardly without listening to God privately. So you got to ask yourself this morning, are you really listening to God through his word, through his spirit, through what your teachers are telling you? Listening is a priority. Here it is, and I'm going to wrap this up. Man's impressed by activity. God's impressed by obedience. What are you doing? Are you, are you being active? Are you being obedient? Are you doing none of the above? See, Jesus told Martha only one thing is necessary, and that's to be close to Christ. Now, literally, when he told her, you're bothered about many things, and then he says only one thing is necessary, what he was telling her in, in the natural is we don't need a five-course meal. We just stopped in. We're not going to be here all that long. We're not staying for a week. All you had to do was, you know, throw some chips in a bowl, bring us some water. We'd have been good. You're in there preparing this elaborate. Sometimes people just try to do too much. We are to be human beings, not human doings. You need to be who God has created you to be, and sometimes that involves sitting and not serving. Martha hurried around in activity while Mary sat at Jesus' feet, listening and learning so she could be close to him. Here's what I'm telling you. Mary listens while Martha labors. Some people serve so hard in church but have no real foundation, no real closeness to God. They're messing up their life. you you, you got to be close to God. you got to make sure that you're listening to God if you're going to serve him at all. While, while Martha's bustling about the house getting ready for dinner, Mary's just staying close to Jesus, listening to him. Now, that doesn't mean... That you can just say, well, I don't want to serve anywhere in the church. I just want to learn. No, service is our worship to God. The, the Greek word for worship means to show your love through serving. So Martha's doing some right things. Mary's doing some right things. But Martha is getting messed up. So here's where we're going to divide you into one or two categories. Here's, here's how you're going to know. Are, are you like Martha or are you like Mary? Let me ask you this question. You answer it in your mind. Are you worried or distracted by lots of stuff? Are you bothered by lots of stuff? Do you have fear in your mind? Are you frazzled? Are you running around like a chicken with your head cut off? Uh, that Thinking there's so much that needs to be done, you'll never get it all done. People who say there's not enough time in the day to do everything I have to do are not telling the truth. We all get 24 hours in a day, from the ditch digger to the president. We all have the same amount of time in a day, and there is enough time in your day to do everything that you need to do if you don't clutter it up with mindless stuff. If you don't spend your time doing things that God never intended you to do, running around distracted by lots of things. Jesus told Martha, you're worried, you're distracted. Mary had her focus on Jesus. So when you get frazzled, when you start feeling like you're going in too many directions, here's what you need to do. Breathe. Take a deep breath. Relax. Get your eyes back on Jesus. Ask yourself if you've done the one thing that was really necessary today. Did you spend time alone with God? Some of you don't even pray before you leave your house in the morning. And I'm going to keep telling you, 
over and over and over again before your feet hit the ground in the morning. You ought to say good morning to God and thank Him for life. You ought to start your day off with prayer. You ought to read the Bible before you leave your house so that you can have some good information in your mind to give you strength for your journey that day. Another way you can find out who you're more like, are, are, you, are you frustrated because you feel like you're the only one doing all the work? When you start feeling like you're doing more than other people, do you just need to tattoo across your whole face? I'm just like Martha. I am doing a lot of stuff. I feel like nobody else is outworking me. That's, that's her complaint to Jesus. Mary left me to do all this work. And see, if you come to church for a long time, the, the devil only has a few tricks, and he's going to play this trick on you. You're going to feel like Martha. You're going to feel like I'm doing more than everybody else in that whole church. Why do I always have to be the only one to do this? Nobody stays around late to clean up but me. And then you're going to realize you're being just like Martha. You, you can find this in, in, in your relationship. My husband never picks up anything in this house. Does he pick up his paycheck and bring it home to you? Mm. Martha mindset. My kids don't appreciate anything I do. Well, they like it when you give them money. Don't say they don't appreciate anything. You know, they, they like it when you buy them what they, my kids don't appreciate any. When you start making these type of determinations, your frustration is showing. All my coworkers are a bunch of idiots. I just work with the biggest group of morons in the world. Hi, Martha. How are you doing today, Martha? See, your complaints might be true, but they're still complaints. Martha's complaints were true. Mary was doing something that was not culturally acceptable, but she was complaining, and that's the opposite of a servant's attitude. Christ showed his love to us, and he tells us to love each other. Whenever you start hearing yourself complaining, that'll be like a flashing red light warning that you probably aren't spending enough time listening to Jesus. You start complaining, you start getting distracted, you start getting frustrated, you start accusing other people and, and taking the focus off you, you need to realize, I got to get at Jesus' feet. Another way you determine where you are, you feel like Jesus doesn't care about your specific situation. Well, he takes care of other people, but I guess I'm just here to fend for myself. You, you're missing the whole point of how much God loves you. Uh, not, not only did Martha feel abandoned by her sister, she felt abandoned by Jesus. She, she said, you don't care. Her complaint is ridiculous on its own, but many times we can feel the same way. The Lord must not care about me, or this would be better. The, the, the Lord's helping other people, but he's not helping me. The Lord is, is, is concentrating on other people's problems, but not me. Sometimes we accuse God of not noticing our pain and the situation that we're in while saying that we believe he knows all things. Does he know all things? Then he knows your pain. And he wants you to do that one thing that's necessary, and that's to spend time with him. Last test to see where you fit in. You're still in the kitchen doing work while others are worshiping God. You're busy doing what you call work at the expense of the worship that God requires. How much time do you spend worshiping God? Here's the problem with most pastors, most leaders, most people in church that are serving. They may be proficient at the things that they do. But if they are not living a life of worship, then God sees that on the inside. And ultimately, that distraction is going to come. That frustration is going to come. That bitterness is going to come. That isolation is going to come. That, that I'm the only one mindset is going to come. And you're going to get your eyes on the wrong thing. So I came here today, I believe God wants me to tell you, don't let your service become self-serving. Sometimes people do what they do because they like what they do. People with outgoing personality that come to church on a regular basis should be involved in meeting, greeting, deking, ushing. But sometimes people let that become everything that God is to them. Well, I park cars at the church. Uh, but do you love the God that reigns over that church well I, I had the nursery ministry well who heads you your service can take the front seat when it's just designed to be a part of your relationship to God so my question to you this morning is are you more like Martha 
or more like Mary? Jesus said Mary chose the better part, and that will not be taken away from her. Mary chose to be close to Jesus at the expense of everything else. Martha concentrated on lots of necessary things to obsession. Do you sit at his feet and spend time with him? Or are you busy, distracted, frustrated, bitter, talking about other people, offended? I want to encourage you to try something this week. Slow your life down. Quit trying to keep 15 balls in the air. You're not a circus juggler. Quit trying to keep 25 spinning plates on sticks without letting one drop to the ground. You're not a plate spinner. God called you to be his child. Spend time with him this week. Read his word. That's the one thing we really need. Spend time with the Lord. So here's what I'm going to do. Time's too far gone. I'm not, I'm not going to drag everybody up to the front and, and, and pray with you. I don't want to embarrass anybody to, this morning. So here's what I want you to do. I want to see who's willing to out their own self today. I want to see who's willing to be honest about their own life today. So I, I'm going to make it easy on you as possible. I want everybody to just, just bow your head and close your eyes. No one looking around but me. If you're here and you'd be honest enough to say, Pastor, I'm really prone to be more like Martha. I get caught up in life and what I'm doing, and sometimes I get frustrated, and sometimes I feel like I'm serving when everybody else ain't. And I need to spend more time at the Lord's feet. I need to spend more time with Jesus. I want to I do everything that needs to be done, and sometimes I take on more than I should. Sometimes I get worried about lots of other stuff when I need to simplify my life and just spend more time with Jesus. If you'd be honest enough to, to, to admit that maybe sometimes you're more like Martha than God would want you to be. I just want you to slip your hand up, put it up, put it right back down. Anybody say, that's, that's really me, preacher? All right. All right. Amen. Hands all over the room. I want to pray for you and everybody that didn't raise their hand that should have. I want to pray that God would allow you to take a breath, catch your breath, and to spend time with him. Agree with me in this prayer. God, thank you for your love. God, I pray for each person in this room and myself that we would not be busy with so many things, but that we would do the necessary things. God, I pray for each person who raised their hand and each person who should have, God. I pray that you would help us to breathe, to slow down, to spend time with you, and to let you be our priority. You alone are worthy of our time, of our praise, of our worship. You alone are worthy of our being our priority. So, God, I pray that you would help us to prioritize you and the time we spend with you. Let us hear your voice. Let us concentrate on our relationship with you more than we concentrate on what we're upset with, what's offended us, what's made us bitter, who's let us down. God, I pray that our focus would be on your son, Jesus Christ. We pray in his name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast and visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church, loving God, loving people.